From deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Gator Tales is brought to you by UF Health, the official healthcare provider of the Florida Gators. Welcome to a special edition of Gator Tales. I'm your host, Adam Schick. While fans have been squarely focused on the offense in the early stages of the quarterback race through the spring, Todd Grantham has been busy building the Gator defense in his image. Florida's new defensive coordinator had a huge impact in his one season at Mississippi State and produced such impressive results that Dan Mullen quickly made him one of his first hires in Gainesville. We wanted to find out more about Grantham's fascinating journey through the years, including how he got his start in coaching, working for Nick Saban, his time in the NFL, his favorite memories from his career, how he struck up a relationship with Dan Mullen, and much more. But before getting to all of that, we started our conversation by going back to his early days in small-town Virginia. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up and um, in a small town, Pulaski, Virginia. Kind of grew up um, in a community where you know work ethic was kind of important from that standpoint. Sports were important, and you kind of did those things. And and you know, my parents were you know there to support me in all the different sports I did and played. And of course, we had a family and you know those kind of things. And it was more of a small town atmosphere. And then, fortunate enough, as I got into football and continued to play it, I was offered and given a scholarship to Virginia Tech, um, went there, played there, graduated. And uh, once I graduated, had to make a decision on what I wanted to do and, and uh, wanted to get into coaching and became a graduate assistant at Virginia Tech for Frank Beamer. Uh, during that time frame, you know, I was kind of chomping at the bit to get back on the field. And really it got down to do I become a high school coach or do I try to, you know, do this college route? And um, actually my high school coach at the time offered me a – a job in in high school uh but it wasn't going to be on the varsity level at that time and i'm like no i gotta coach varsity if i'm coming back so anyway i decided to stay for another year uh, my second year of grad school and doing that kind of thing and at the end of that term i ended up getting promoted to um, defensive line coach and um, basically from then on kind of you know was fortunate enough to work and develop my career to what it is now you're going back to, you talked about the, the sports you played growing up. Why mm-hmm. was it football that you gravitated to? What what about well, the game was so attractive? Yeah, I mean, first of all, there is a amount of competitive toughness with it. You know, being that I was an offensive lineman, I mean, you're more in the trenches from that standpoint. Um, you know, I did play all sports, honestly, all the way up until my June, really my sophomore year. And uh, basketball, baseball, and those kind of things, and I still believe guys should do that. But during that time frame, after really after my freshman year, going into my sophomore year, the head coach that I had at the time, Joel Hicks, kind of said, "Look, I think you have a future in this sport, but I think you need to really commit to the weight room and to try to get a little bit bigger and do those kind of things." So anyway, started talking about you know the value of a scholarship and those kind of things so at that at that time I made the decision to go ahead and stick with football and I just enjoyed the competitiveness of it um, trying to do something to, with other people as a team uh, the accomplishment you know there's nothing like winning on Friday night just like there's nothing like winning on Saturdays when we went in the swamp and doing those things so just you know all the work that goes into ha- getting that victory or getting that accomplishment I enjoyed those things 
you know, I felt like it helped prepare me for, you know, coaching and really, you know, life after football. You mentioned uh, just a, a moment ago being an offensive lineman, and yet you've made mm-hmm. your name as a defensive coach. So mm-hmm. when and why did that transition well, happen? Well, yeah, you know, actually what happened is I initially, when I went into grad school as a graduate assistant coach, I was on offense. And at that time, it was the old rules where you had four GAs, which is actually is came back to what it is now. It's kind of funny. But um, anyway, there was four GAs, but we had three on offense and only one on defense. And I was the youngest and the last guy hired. And the guy on defense, two weeks before the, the, the training camp started, actually took a head high school job. So Coach Beamer said, I'm not, I'm not going to really hire anybody. And since you're the last one hired, I'm going to move you over. Uh, to defense for that year and I'll move you back and of course you know I said that's fine no problem so when I went over there I actually liked it from the standpoint of the things you do on a entry-level position like as a GA for example as a defensive GA you really break down the offense study the offense give a report of the offense and do all of that stuff for the upcoming opponent Uh, so by being able to do those kind of things pretty efficiently um, it worked out well on that side of the ball. And then while I'm over there, I just enjoyed, you know, understanding, you know, everything from the coverages in the back end, to, uh, you know, adjusting backers and all that. I just I just enjoyed it, felt comfortable with it. So at the end of that year, he was ready to move me back. And I told him, I said, I think I'll stay. I, I kind of think this can help branch my career a little bit. So I ended up staying and continued to develop as a GA. Then I got hired and full-time and it kind of took off from there it was funny last year i I talked to steve Sperger and asked him about how he got into coaching his response was i was almost broke and i needed a job uh (laughs) for you was there ever a thought of doing something else or was this always the, the path that you wanted to follow it was always a thought you know but fortunately being in a position to where the jobs that I took and as far as GA and those kind of things, the monetary gain from it wasn't as important at that time of my life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of fortunate in the standpoint of basically once I got out of college, uh, went into being a graduate assistant. And then really after two years of being a GA, I was fortunate enough to get offered and hired by Coach Beamer as a, um, you know, as a full-time coach. Playing for Coach Beamer, and your career is littered with Hall of Famers that you've been around, but mm-hmm. what did you learn from him? Because I know so many guys, they develop their co- a lot of their coaching philosophy from the, the yeah. most important person they played for. So t- tell me about I, that. I think the biggest thing with, with Coach Beamer is, one, hiring good people, let them do their job. I mean, that's kind of was always his approach, and he, he didn't like change. He liked to always stay the course. Uh, so that gave you consistency every day and, you know, what was expected. And then basically understanding that I'm hiring you to do a job and, you know, you get the job done. So I think it allowed people because he took that approach to basically develop themselves, you you know, from that, from that standpoint, in the sense that if there was an issue, you kind of had to figure it out. And, um, I think that allowed you to grow as a coach. So really. You know, that was probably one of those also, you know, at that time, it was a very close knit group. And I I just think it was more of I'm going to hire good people. I'm going to let them do their job and uh, I'm going to work to make sure things stay consistent on an everyday basis. After Virginia Tech, you had a chance to work for Nick Saban at Michigan State, mm-hmm. and, and he right. later said you were one of the top three assistants he ever had. Now, I know he doesn't give out compliments that readily, so mm-hmm. what worked so well about that relationship that, that led him to say yep. that about you? Well, honestly, that was probably the hardest transition I had, meaning 
going from Virginia Tech to working for Coach Saban at Michigan State was a actually a harder harder adjustment from a structure just learning defense than when I was with Nick and then I went to the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, that was a much easier transition. And what I'm saying is with Nick, you got to understand the full circuit as far as the attention to detail and everything you do, the adjustments as far as the formations really matter to how you should play relative to the coverage you're in. You know, the techniques and fundamentals asked up front, everything was just very detailed from that standpoint. And then from a recruiting perspective, you know, he really approached the recruiting just like you do the NFL draft. In other words, as a position coach, you were going to rank the guys at your position. The coordinator would rank them. And then we would have a board that was really set up just like an NFL draft board. And you would have the guys ranked from one to 30 or how many guys you had. And then you would have guys below the line in the sense that, hey, if these guys fall off, these are our next guys. And I think the biggest thing I learned with him is the intention to detail on the total program from not only just the football aspect of it and being detailed there, but also from the recruiting side, the value of proper evaluation. I think that was the biggest thing. And the other thing with with Nick was is he's really a very consistent guy, meaning it's more about the process than the result. Obviously, the result is to win the game. But once you win a game and you go back through it and you review it, here are the corrections that we really need to make, whether it's a situational correction, a technique correction, a formation correction or something like that, that maybe it was a play or two we didn't win or play as well that we can play that better the next time that increases our chances of winning the game. So with him, everything was percentage based mm-hmm. and, and what gives us the best chance to be success, successful, you know, from a percentage standpoint. And, and I think those are the things that um, I really gained from him. And honestly, the core values that I have defensively really stem from when I was with him. We know so much about Nick Saban and the process and some of the things you just talked about. Are there any fun details about Nick Saban that we wouldn't know that, that you would be able to, to share from being on the inside? Yeah, he likes he likes to abuse you on his uh, on his water boat or when he takes you tubing in the summer. <laughs> like back in the day, back in the day when he would take you tubing, it was a real tube. It wasn't like the nice tubes they have now. It was a real car tube. And you had to hang on, and he was going to go really fast, and then he was going to whiplash you around and send you off in the air, <laughs> and then you were going to you were going to hit the ground the the water pretty hard. So um, it was okay. It was only when the guys that couldn't swim did it we got a little nervous, you know. <laughs> so we had to make sure that they had a proper life jacket on. But uh, that was probably one of the things of with him is just he was really a unique guy like once once the recruiting night was over sitting down with him then or in the summer you know when we did staff things just just doing those kind of things he and he's very competitive in basketball Hmm. you know he's a guy that that likes to get pickup games and he's always going to have the best players on his team and he always calls all the fouls so (laughs) you know he kind of he kind of runs it that way so anyway those are things that I enjoyed with him. And pro- those are things people probably don't realize, you know, from him that he is a good person that uh, does have the best interest of you as a coach, even though, you know, obviously he's the head coach. He does have a interest in what you're doing. 
that's the most that anybody has ever told us about Nick Saban. So we, we certainly appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Um, you talked about the transition to Michigan State being maybe even tougher than going to the NFL. But when you did mm-hmm. make the, the decision to jump to the NFL, I'm curious what inspired that and what was tough about that. Well, number one, the NFL is the graduate school of coaching. I mean, there's really good coaches there and it's the elite players in our profession. Um, so as a young coach, it kind of, there was two things. It really, it really excited me to be able to try to compete at that level from a coaching standpoint, developmental standpoint. That was one. The other thing is, is every kid wants to go to the National Football League. And when I was with Coach Saban, his ability to talk to recruits because of his NFL experience, he had their attention. In other words, they were listening to what he said. And I think anytime you can have the attention of a recruit and you're able to lay out a plan and they're listening, they're going to hear what you're saying. So I really wanted to do it, one, for the experience. It it is a challenge at that level and to develop those kind of players. But also, I felt like it would help my resume moving forward because I really wanted to be a college head coach. And to me, as a college head coach, you're the CEO of the program and you have to recruit the players. Well, by being in the league and having that NFL resume, you know, I can talk about the players I've been around, how we developed them or how I saw them get developed. You know, I was with Peyton Manning when he was in year two hmm. and I was with him years two, three and four and how that development went went, went about. So I just think it it really helps you understand that, hey, I've been there. I've done that. I've developed guys at that level. I've coached the highest played player in pro football. And here's what I'm going to do for you. And here's how we can develop you. So I did feel like it helped me have a relationship and have the interest of people that I was recruiting. What were the biggest differences about coaching at that level? Because you ended up staying there for 10 years. So Yeah, honestly, it was never my intent to stay that long. It's just it kind of happened and, you know, it just kind of worked out that way. Um, I think the things up there is one it is the development of players. And the thing that happens there is I think this was what makes you a really good coach is sometimes guys are all into the system. Like this is our system. We're going to recruit our system. And if the guy can't do our system, then we're going to get rid of the guy. Well, that's not really the way it works. In other words, when, you, when you're at that level, you may have a player this year that can play things a certain way. Well, next year, that player is totally different. So how do I stay within my system, but yet use this player to be productive? So it really gets down to developing each guy individually and taking the things that they do really well and trying to make those things essential, those things stand out to allow them to be productive. And then how do you hide maybe the things that they're not as good at or maybe the things that are a little bit of a liability? So how do we get the things that this player does well within himself to fit into what we're doing, you know? So I think that's the biggest thing and to me with the pro game and the college game is you really got to make sure that you're taking the players at that level and you're trying to develop them, but you're also trying to take the things that they do well and fit it into your system. You know, it's kind of like the old adage, you don't want to take a square, a square peg in a round hole, Sure. you know? So how, how do you adjust your teaching relative to the player you have? So I think that's the biggest thing is just adjusting the teaching that you have or you do to best fit the player that you have. At the end of the day, you want to make the player play well because that lets your team play well. In 30 years of coaching at various levels that we've talked about, you've obviously encountered 
a lot of really special players. I'm curious when mm-hmm. you think back on them, which ones really stand out? Who were some really exceptional players that you had a chance to work with? Yeah, I mean, I've been fortunate. If you go all the way back, to, I had a guy named Cornell Brown that played for, I think, eight years, you know, with the Baltimore Ravens. But then, you know, after that, you know, I can go to in pro football, you know, obviously DeMarcus Ware. I mean, he's he was the, actually the highest paid player in pro football at the time. Got to watch him get a lot of sacks and also develop himself as a player. Uh, getting back into college, it was really fun to take a guy like Jarvis Jones, who actually started out at, you know, the, at Southern Cal, played as a freshman, wanted to transfer, came and played for me at Georgia. And just understanding that he really is a kid and the reason he wanted to transfer back close to home and then get to see him develop into a first round player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a guy that um, that I actually recruited named Herb Haygood, who you wouldn't know his name in pro football because he's actually coach, coaching at Eastern uh, Michigan now. And you say, why is that important? Because now when I recruited him out of high school, you know, he basically showed up with a duffel bag to Michigan State when I coached him when I was with Coach Saban and, you know, had to learn how to write a check. <laughs> so I had to teach him how to write a check. And, you know, it was one of those um, he called me at two thirty in the morning and was ready to go home because he was homesick. Well, now he's married, got two kids and living, you know, a productive life. I mean, so those things excite me, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as the players themselves, obviously, DeMarcus. And then Jarvis and then, you know, taking a guy like Justin Houston, who was a defensive end, making him an outside backer and being able to see like, you know, what he does now. Um, you know, Leonard Foy was a guy that I recruited out of Georgia that um, I really liked when he came to summer camp. And I said, hey, man, go work on these things to come back to our next camp and we'll offer you. And he comes back. He busts his tail we offer him, and now he's a first-round pick for the Chicago Bears. So um, I think those things are the, – the fun thing about those things is seeing guys that are in high school that have the vision to become an NFL player and then seeing them, you know, commit to that with work, with taking coaching and doing those things and seeing that dream come true. And then also seeing other guys that I'd coached, like Herb K. Good I talked about, where you recruit them. And hey, it's not going to work out, but they got they maximized their time there. They got their degree and they still were able to go out and be productive in in life and society, support a family. And you still got that relationship. So all of those things, honestly, are what make coaching fun. Obviously, you have to win games to keep your job (laughs) and and do those things. But at the end of the day, those things are things that you really relish and, and enjoy talking about. Yeah, I'd imagine players are easier to keep track of than individual games or moments, but are there those that you think back on that, that you've been on the sideline for that you really recall or you think about some big moment, a big game that you had a chance to be a part of? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I probably, when I go back to pro football, you know, we had a chance to um, open up the new stadium for the Dallas Cowboys. And at that time, it was in the 90 some thousand. It's, you know, one of the nicest arenas or stadiums that you can play in. And I remember sitting there as the national anthem was playing and, and just thinking that, you know, this isn't too bad from a guy from Pulaski County to be able to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? A guy that sure. wanted to at one time just, you know, just coach high school football. And now you're, you know, playing, you know, you're coaching in the National Football League, getting ready to coach the Cowboys against the Giants in a, you know, a state of the art stadium. 
So, you know, that was pretty unique. That was pretty fun. Uh, obviously, being able to play in the SEC championship games and being able to stand on the sidelines, you know, before that and and just kind of relish the opportunity or the excitement of what's getting ready to take place. So th- those things that I've enjoyed and, uh, and uh, you know, look forward to uh, having a few more of those moments. We talked about the landscape of college football being so much about recruiting. You talked about it earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you Mm -hmm. have any memorable stories of players that were especially difficult to recruit or maybe times you had to get really creative to try and land a commitment? Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, without giving up your secrets, I guess, but uh, (laughs) you, you always try to, you know, you got to compare like, you know, this is what you want to do. In other words, a player wants to have this kind of production. Well, here's the production I have. And, based upon the other team you're looking at, here's the production that they have, you know, so you may have to, you know, get, you know, (laughs) some of that information out there. And then all of a sudden, maybe it's a friend of yours that's on the other side and you're, and you're kind of going through that information. So that can be a little unique from that standpoint. Um, You know, at the end of the day, as far as recruiting, it's really about providing information to the players and then really trying to show them, here's how I can help you reach the dreams that you have. So that ends up being a, a pretty big thing. Um, I think one of the funniest stories when that was actually when I was with Coach Saban in a house. And um, anyway, Nick's one of those guys, when he's talking, he likes to use his hands and he's talking <laughs> and moving and he's giving his spiel. Well, I'm on the other side of the room and I look down below. And there's like this huge mouse or rat, like right underneath his feet going back and forth. And he's moving. And I'm like, oh, my God, if this thing comes out, he's going to freak out. And it actually went the other way and uh, nothing happened. And uh, anyway, that was that was a pretty funny story. Did you tell him about it afterward, or does he not know? Oh yeah, I, to, I told him. I told him about it afterwards. He really didn't know how to respond, honestly. But uh, I did tell him about it afterwards. <laughs> I. Partly because of Coach Saban, you said earlier, that's kind of where a lot of your defensive philosophy came from, especially running Mm -hmm. the 3-4. But greater than that, how would you describe your overall coaching philosophy? You know, I think the biggest thing from my philosophy is, is I just want our guys to play to our identity that we talk about. And I always talk about being fast, physical, and aggressive. Um, It doesn't really matter what the call is. It's a matter of you playing to your identity and playing as hard as you can. And if you can get all the players to buy into that and do that, it's really a cool thing. And you kind of see it take over a team. Uh, I was fortunate enough to got to kind of watch that last year as it took over our team, Mississippi state. Um, And I just think it's a way of my whole philosophy is how do you teach guys? Cause I really do believe that guys don't want to screw up. Um, so when a guy makes a mistake, I think the biggest thing is just trying to understand why he did it that way and trying to go go from there. Another thing with me is on coaching is I don't like to coach robots. I kind of look I kind of look at coaching as like being a parent. In other words, they're on the field. They got to make a decision, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of you giving them the parameters within the call to go make a play based upon what they see, because at the end of the day, they got to make a choice. Sure you know, based upon what happens. So it's about us making players understand the parameters they have within a call that allow them to be successful and make plays. And then really that, that, that's it. I mean, if they can do that and then understand that they got to play to a certain standard, they got to have a certain amount of competitive toughness and play with a certain amount of energy. If they'll do those things, I mean, we'll be successful. 
your path to Florida came from Mississippi State, where you were for just one year. But obviously, mm-hmm. something about that relationship with Dan Mullen really clicked. So can you tell us how you guys got connected and why that's worked so well? Yeah. You know, Dan has a lake house, Reynolds Plantation, same place that I have one. So we've known each other through the profession, through that. Um, when when I knew that he was looking for a coordinator, it was something that intrigued me because I had a lot of respect for him, what he's done on um, offense, what he's done with the program as far as changing that and and having success at Mississippi State. And then the more we talked, the more I felt comfortable with him from an overall program standpoint. I mean, you know, even though he's an offensive guy, the first thing he talks about is you got to play great team defense. And the reason I say team defense is because it does start with, you know, the offense, special teams and the defense. All everybody has to do that to be able to play that kind of defense. And he really does have that as a philosophy and a belief. So really the belief in, in the style in which you play the style in which you need to play defense and the way you need to go about recruiting all of that meshed with him and me. And it was something I felt comfortable with. And, you know, at my age, it's always important to be around people that you like and you respect and you're excited about working with, because at the end of the day, it's really important that when you go to work, you need to enjoy your job. And um, I was excited when I met him, the more we talked, I got excited and, you know, last year I enjoyed my my year around him and the success we had and look forward to continued success, you know, throughout the next few years. And as you come to Florida, you're obviously inheriting a defense with a lot of tradition and a lot of recent success. So in the mm-hmm. situation like that, how do you put your own spin on this defense while also keeping what's already working? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is we got to understand that Maybe last year wasn't what it needed to be or it should have been. So we need to make sure we get back more to the standard that, you know, Florida has had on defense because they've had a lot of tradition here and a lot of success. And I think it does mesh with my philosophy as far as there's a certain way you need to play. There's a certain physicality in which you need to have in the game, certain amount of effort and those kind of things. Uh, at the end of the day, no matter what scheme you play, three, four, four, three, three down, four down, it really gets down to matchups and it gets down to players making plays one-on-one. And those are the things that we try to set up throughout our system and our program to allow the players that we have be productive relative to their position. It's just really about that. And to me, it's more about the guys that we have now understanding or embracing trying to get Florida's defense back to what it was so that the guys that were here before are proud of what we're doing, are proud of the program, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of things. And uh, and that's important. And I think they got to understand that, you know, the the Gator logo on the side of their helmet is bigger than any of us. I mean, it was, it was there before us. It'll be there after us. But there's a certain standard in which you need to play if you're going to wear that helmet. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that the players have embraced and, and will embrace as we move forward throughout the season. I know so much of the attention from fans, especially, is going to be on the offense in the spring game. Mm-hmm. But from your standpoint, how will you measure success in this in this scrimmage? And then what happens for you after spring leading up to fall? It, you really, in a spring, you've almost, because of the way that you, you, you do the teams and things, you've almost got to look at it from an individual basis. In other words, 
how did this player play relative to what we asked him to do? And then what kind of identity did he play with? And then what kind of role can he have for us moving forward? So I think that's the biggest thing you got to come out of spring with. And once you have that, then it's about you're going to cross train guys. Mm -hmm. And in other words, I feel like this player can play these positions or, hey, he only needs to play this position and try to develop a role for every player on the team. And then from there, we'll go back and have the cutups all spring of all the calls. We'll make one-on-one cutups in coverage and in pass rush for the players individually so they can watch those things. We'll have the cutups of the calls so they can watch themselves doing the things that we're going to ask them to do. And then from there, we'll implement our install for the fall about exactly how we want to do things. Uh, we'll develop a plan for each guy and the role that they have. And some guys are going to continue to con- still compete for starting jobs and playing time from now all the way through. I mean, that's always going to be a part of what you're doing. But I think it's a matter of trying to develop roles for guys in every personnel group that you got. And then giving each guy, here are the things I want you to work on in the summer. Mm-hmm. You know, relative to your position, here are the technique things, because there's a lot of time in the summer that you can get better. And uh, that's that's really what we'll do. Final couple of things for you. Uh, I know mm-hmm. coaching is all consuming, especially when there's recruiting to be done and there's a lot of work mm-hmm. trying to rebuild the program. But when you do have time away from football, what are some hobbies that you enjoy? Love the fish. I mean, I'm a, a huge I'm a huge fisherman. I mean, I've really always freshwater fish because of the places I've lived, but it really doesn't matter. I'll do any kind of fishing. Uh, enjoy that. Do enjoy playing golf. Uh, but if I had my preference, I would, I would fish, um, you know, really outside of that, being around my family, enjoying watching them, whether it's on a boat, uh, at a pool, at a lake around water, I do enjoy the water, but being around them doing those kind of things, fishing and just kind of hanging out. I'm kind of easy that way, but, um, those are really the main things for me. Are there any good, uh, Gainesville spots or places nearby you, you found you know, to fish so you far? Know, I've been working so hard right now. I haven't been able to find some spots. So that's kind of going to be my, my goal when <laughs> spring ball is over. So uh, I'm going to have to find me some spots. So final thing for you, you mentioned spring ball ending. Then what happens for you? I and mean, t- if you can take fans inside the life of the coach, where do things yeah. go once you send the players off after spring? Yeah, well, once we'll have our exit meetings uh, the week after uh, spring ball. And kind of go over the things we just talked about. Um, then from there, honestly, it's going to be on the spring recruiting. And in spring recruiting, we'll be obviously going out and evaluating, you know, guys for 19, 20 um, and looking at them and trying to get the board right and getting players in here to help us win an SEC championship and go play for a national title. So we'll do that. Um, our quality control or support people will actually break down all of our SEC games, our opponents and our new opponents you know, of the first three that we have. So we'll do that. So that way when we get back in June after May recruiting, we'll, we'll have camps and we'll do some evaluation that way, but then we'll start um, getting ready for August training camp with our cutups. Um, then we'll also start breaking down teams. We're going to play next year and getting a, you know, general game plan of what we want to do against them. Um, so that way, by doing that, we try to install everything, that we're going to do at some point during August. That way we come in Monday of that week, there's a little bit of recall on the things that we'll do, you know, for that game. It's not like totally new and everything. So basically that's going to be it. It's basically going to be evaluating uh, underclassmen, getting ready to, uh, 
you know, get the proper players in here moving forward, um, looking at next year's opponents and how we need to defend them and the general game plan of things we need to install for August. Well, the grind never stops, but we really do hope you have some time to find a good fishing spot. And we thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. No problem. You guys take care. Thanks for having me on and go Gators.